Welcome to the GW Business of Sports podcast. We talk about careers, leadership, mentors, first jobs, and a lot more here. And we do the show from the George Washington University in Washington, D.C. I'm Mark Hyman, professor of sports management in the GW School of Business. My producer is Liam Swartz. I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Zan Jaffrey, data scientist, strategy and analytics for the Washington Wizards of the National Basketball Association. Zan is a triple threat. He has his MBA from GW. He's an adjunct professor in the graduate sport management program at GW, teaching a course in basketball analytics. And he's one of our go-to alums for career counseling because so many of our students aspire to work in basketball and in a player evaluation role. My co-host for this episode, Uju Obianwu, a student in our master's program. Uh, Zan, thanks for coming. Really appreciate having you on campus. Thanks for having me, it's good to be back. I wanna ask you a question about the way you watch a basketball game. When you're sitting courtside watching an NBA game, what do you see and how do you think it's different from the way a typical fan watches a game? Well, first of all, I'm not sitting courtside, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think one of the biggest things is watching all of the actions that are around the ball. So a typical person is going to be watching the ball, um, but there are four other players on offense and five pl- or four other players on defense that aren't necessarily guarding the ball directly. And so that's a lot of moving pieces. Um, and uh, sometimes I'll even miss a play that happens live on the ball because I'm watching other things happen and you kind of hear people go crazy. And it's like, okay, I need to see, watch the replay here because I was trying to watch what other actions off the ball are happening. Uh, and that's extremely important on the defensive end too because it's a – the defensive concepts are team concepts and so what every what everybody away from the ball is doing is important in how you're playing on defense and sometimes that can get lost from a average fan who's just watching for highlights would you do you have a question for Zan? sure so we know you went to gw for your mba right mm-hmm. so you had a few pivotal courses i'm sure was there anything that really shaped your affinity for sports analytics Um, I knew coming into GW that sports analytics and working in basketball specifically on the team side was what I wanted to do. So the biggest thing for me was building my network. Um, And coming to GW allowed me to do that. I interned um, on the business side first with Monumental uh, in their marketing department. And then from there was able to reach out to people on the basketball side and form relationships. And then also through the GW program, end up with uh, an internship on the basketball side. And once I got my foot in the door there, was able to grow those relationships and leverage them into getting a full-time job first with the Knicks and then coming back to DC and working with the Wizards now. Okay. So tell us about um, the way that you communicate the intelligence that you're, that you're gathering. Um, of course, you're, you're gathering data and um, preparing reports, but then that has to be communicated to coaches and front office officials. Tell us about that process and, and whether, uh, well, I'll just leave it there. How, how do you do that, communicate it in a way that's accessible for them? So the best example that I have is probably um, the front end of the website that, w- that we built in New York in terms of taking a number and 
translating it to just English words that a traditional basketball person could understand. So if someone fell in the 40 to 60th percentile of a given stat, we wouldn't put that number on the website. We would say this person is an average rebounder, for example. And so when a decision maker who isn't necessarily um, as uh, numbers inclined looks at it, it's still basketball speak to them. So that way they can interpret the information, um, get comfortable with it because they also have an opinion of what that player is as a rebounder. And when the majority of those things lined up, uh, they have more confidence in the information you're giving them. And so when there are things that disagree, you can kind of get into a debate there and and see what um, is blindsided either from the uh, I traditional basketball test versus uh, on the analytics side. So just to ask a follow-up with regard to this idea of confidence in in the data that you're providing, um, how do you tell us about that process of gaining the confidence of the basketball people? You know, you're not, your your background is not playing basketball, I don't Mm -hmm. think, at, at, at a highly competitive level. How, how do you make the case to the basketball professionals that the information you're giving to them should be relied upon? Uh, the biggest thing is the relationship that you have with somebody. So that is something that obviously takes time. So if you're starting out in a new place, uh, you kind of have to allow that to happen organically, and that can happen over meals. That's probably the biggest one. Um, but just allowing for that time in the relationship. So once you get to know me as a person and we talk about basketball outside of the analytics space and you start to see my understanding of the game and I learn more about your understanding of the game, the trust factor comes into play. And then as I give you more information that maybe you don't understand, you're more apt to incorporate that or ask more questions to learn more about it uh, because the relationship is is good and you trust me as a person not necessarily as an analyst that's giving you this information you too that's good so i'm definitely a number person (laughs) so i used to watch all those shows like numbers never lie and just really keep up with the analytics and Mm -hmm. from what you said the trust factor goes it's a big part of it and Mm -hmm. you saw that in the movie moneyball as well so over time what impact do you think sports analytics has had on the game and where do you think that importance lays now in 2020? Mm-hmm. I think the the biggest thing that uh, observer or fan can see is just the shot distribution in basketball. So it has gone to uh, the most efficient places on the floor are first at the rim, uh, well, actually first at the free throw line, then at the rim, and then lastly around the three-point shot. So you'll see a lot of catch-and-shoot twos that used to be prevalent in the early to mid-2000s to today, you rarely see that shot. There are a lot of uh, mid-range shots that still happen, but they're more late in the shot clock, off the dribble, when mm-hmm. you give the ball to your best player and need them to go make a play. Um, that's probably the most obvious example. Um, going forward, I think there's a lot of work to be done uh, in the medical space. Um, injuries have obviously been uh, a big topic of conversation and load management and that type of thing, but trying to understand better how you can reduce different injuries that players are getting. Uh, And it's really a hard thing because the only time you know that this happens is when an injury occurs. So you don't actually know when you prevented an injury because you don't see it. Mm -hmm. Um, So going forward, I think that's really a a big space that Mm -hmm. we're going to learn more about and teams are going to focus on. Sure. Okay, so D'Antoni has been mentioned with the Rockets especially to really focus on analytical ball and really focus on that two-man game as we know. But then we have coaches like... Phil Jackson, who wants to focus on that triangle, and even Kobe on a show, The Detail, would mention how we need to focus on regular basketball and not the detailed, oriented analytics. How do you think that differs in terms of team-to-team, player-to-player, and even just the outcome of the game of basketball? 
Um, I think that for different coaches or different players, you can have different philosophies. The idea behind analytics is to give you more information to help you make better decisions. So at a macro level, the idea of taking fewer mid-range shots and taking more threes is to, uh, over time, give you uh, uh, higher points per shot, essentially. Um, And there's obviously context to that. So when people kind of throw the analytics shot selection just into a bucket. It's devoid of that context for the most part. Um, A lot of people have actually said uh, that uh, the game is monogamous now because everybody has the same shot location, but 20 years ago that was similar. It was just uh, there were a lot of catch-and-shoot twos, and now they're catch-and-shoot threes, and the style in which teams get these shots are completely different. You have some teams that spread the floor um, and isolate, and then you have other teams that are a lot of moving off the ball and trying to create uh, mismatches through uh, uh, that type of movement. So it, it, it just depends on the strategy, and each team can use that information to inform the strategy that it's trying to implement. There must be nights when you look down on the floor, whether you're sitting courtside or, or someplace else, <laughs> and you see things happening on the floor, either the players who are on the floor or, or what they're doing, and you think, I influence that in some way. Maybe in a small way, but, but my, I had a role in shaping what's happening on the floor. Can you, does that happen? And can you give us an example? Uh, that's a tough one. I can't think of an example off the top of my head where I'm like, that was a recommendation that I gave. Um, analytics is just one piece to the puzzle, and there are a lot of uh, things that a coach has to think about when coming up with a decision, or a player for that matter. So I don't think there's an obvious one where it's, I made this suggestion, and then it actually happened on the floor, because there's a lot of nuance and a lot of other things that go into it as well. So from a student perspective, I know you had a few internships prior to this big position with Monumental. How did you transition from a game night marketer to a digital marketer to eventually working with Madison Square Garden? Um, so when I was in school and doing a couple of those marketing internships, the biggest thing was just to try to be around and try to meet people. Um, so those uh, internships in general didn't necessarily translate specifically to the function of my job, but it was more about just being around the game and around the people um, to help grow the relationships as we kind of started out talking the biggest reason that I was or looking for while I was at GW um, was to grow my network within sports and that allowed me to do that while I was at Monumental I uh, met Brett Greenberg who is now my current boss and was able to do that through a Duke connection um, in the marketing department so uh, the biggest thing that correlated from those was just being around people and growing the relationships. It's time to get some free advice from you. (laughs) So students who aspire to be Zan Jaffrey, and there are many at GW, uh, one piece of advice that we give them in the program is take Zan Jaffrey's course. Uh, And and we were delighted last year when we were able to offer uh, a basketball analytics course that, that you teach over three pretty long but interesting days and, and are going to be teaching again this, this summer. What are the other pieces of advice um, w- with respect to either courses that students might, might take or, or other kind of uh, networking opportunities that you think uh, would put them on the, on the path? Yeah, so the biggest thing I think is um, to just work on a project. 
come up with a basketball question that you find interesting. Um, go find some data that helps answer that question and then either do an analysis, analysis on it or build a tool that um, helps you get to information uh, easier. And as you build a portfolio of things, when you apply it to teams, you can show them that portfolio. Uh, and by doing that, one, you have a leg up on the competition because most people aren't doing that. And two, from the uh, employer standpoint, it reduces the risk in a hire because I've seen that you can do work that is in basketball. Um, and in the class, actually, I teach that there are three main pillars of things that you need to uh, understand when you're applying for these jobs. One is the technical aspect. So this, that's kind of the boring one where you need to know the technical stuff. So it's uh, R, Python, you need to know SQL. You need to kind of just go learn that, whether that's formally in classes um, or there are a lot of open source uh, MOOC type classes that you can take. Um, second is statistics or analysis, right? You need to be able to do the analysis once you get the data. And the third is just the subject matter expertise, which is watching the game and understanding it, and which allows you to come up with the questions that you find interesting in basketball. So those are the three main pillars where if you can find a way to marry all of those together, um, you can do a cool analysis that is interesting to teams. And from the team's perspective, there are always more projects to be done than you have time to do. So even though you think that um, teams are continually doing this and probably already have an answer to the question that you're solving, the answer may, it might be uh, item 100 on the projects they want to get to and they're never going to get to it. So by you doing it, they can learn something from that. And even if they have already done the project, it shows that you're thinking about basketball the same way they are. So uh, they're going to want to know about other projects that you're interested in doing. Thank you to Uju for serving as guest host. And also thank you to Zan. Really appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun.